Take your Bible and go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and let's begin reading in verse 1. We'll read down to verse 11. The Bible reads, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. What a great passage of Scripture. I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get straight to the message. And uh, may it be a challenge to you. And uh, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that the reading, the teaching, the exposition of your word would be a great blessing to this local congregation, this body of Christ. And Father, may we learn from your word. And Father, as David prayed, open, open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And Father, open unto us the scriptures. And Father, may we see something Perhaps we haven't seen before, and Father, strengthen those things that we do know, and we'll be happy if we do them. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you know, uh, in reading the Word of God, I say this often when I preach, but I, I really enjoy looking at words, because words have meanings. And doctrines are built upon words and what the Bible says. And I was reading this portion of scripture in Philippians. And there was two words that just jumped out at me that I hadn't seen before. And it really is the basis of this message. I want you to look in verse number 8. <clears throat> Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, his condescension... <clears throat> 
Verse 8, and being found in fashion. Jesus Christ was in fashion. Amen? Now, ladies, you know, see, ladies are smiling already. You know what this word means, right? To be in fashion. You know, people today, they want to be in fashion. They want to have what is in fashion when it comes to clothing. I mean, who wants to look frumpy? Right? I mean, we want to look good. We want what's in fashion. And really, who decides that? Who decides what's in? Who decides what's out? Well, in too many cases, it's the world. The world is the one who defines what's in fashion. I mean, you go to the mall. Girls, you like to go to the mall? You do. Yes, you do. You go to the mall, and, and what do the clothing stores, what do they do? They have their, you know, you do window shopping, right? What they do is they put the latest, the newest, the hottest style or fashion in the window. And so, you know, you're just walking along the mall, and you're just looking at the window, and oh, let me go in and look at this, you see? In fashion. We want to be in fashion when it comes to our music. We want to hear the latest song. We want to download the, the newest MP3. We don't want to listen to the old fuddy-duddy music that our parents listen to, right? You know, I was... Uh, <laughs> just today, actually... I was in a missions apartment, and they, man, this missions apartment had all the latest. And uh, you know who was in this room, this missions apartment, when, you're, when we arrived? Who was in the room with us? It was Alexa. I've never been in a missions apartment that had Alexa there. So I said, Alexa, please play, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? You know that song? It's an older song. And so Alexa said, playing, were you there when they crucified my Lord by Johnny Cash? <laughs> Johnny Cash? <laughs> I don't want to hear Johnny Cash sing that song. So anyway, I, I said, Alexa, stop. And she did. She did. That's not, you know, that's not hip music, you know. We want to be found in fashion. The world dictates the clothing industry, the fashion industry, the music industry, uh, the entertainment industry. We want to be in fashion. Well, let me tell you tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ, he was in fashion. In fact, he was found in fashion. But I'll tell you this, what was fashionable with the Lord isn't fashionable with the world. And what is in fashion? You want to be in fashion, young people? 
You want to be where it's at? Uh-huh. Hey, buddy, how is this? Let's find out what's in fashion. Well, and let's go back to the beginning of the chapter quickly. We're going to see what's in fashion with the Lord. And I'm going to show you how this relates to missions, actually. Verse number one, if there be any, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. The word consolation, it means to, to alleviate misery or distress, to refresh the mind and spirit, to support and strengthen. If there be any consolation in Christ. You know, Jesus Christ, we are to cast our care upon him, for he cares for you. The Lord Jesus Christ can alleviate misery and distress. Excuse me, didn't he do that when he saved us? And doesn't he continue to do that? And the Bible says if there's any comfort of love. Now this is a godly love. And the Bible says God is love. Is there any comfort of love? You know to, know, to know the Lord loves us as his children is a great blessing. I've never been loved until I was saved. Not with that kind of love. And the Bible says Jesus loved his own even unto the end. How's that kind of love? Unconditional. I'm not a very lovely person, brother. I'll tell you what. You, want to, you, you know an example of God's grace? God's grace, God's amazing grace, is being married to me. Ask my wife. I'm not a very lovable person. If any fellowship of the Spirit You know, what a wonderful thing when God's Spirit communicates and speaks to our hearts. You know, to think that God would even give me time and attention. To think that God would, if, if I could say, waste his time with somebody like me. That he would speak to me and fellowship with me. And deal with me as with the Son. You know, in this first, first verse, before we get too far, we see the Trinity. We see Christ. We see the comfort of love. God is love. And then we see the fellowship of the Spirit. If any bowels and mercies, that's just being compassionate. There's consolation. There's comfort. There's communion. There's compassion. And you know what these things are right here, brethren? <clears throat> these are, to have these, it's the ingredients for unity. And my, how a New Testament church needs unity. Do you know that if this church comes to a point where you're divided? Let me tell you something. You can wave missions goodbye. You know if this church gets to the point where you start, as, as Paul wrote to the Galatians, you start biting and devouring each other? Bye-bye, church. A house divided against itself cannot stand. 
Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Then you better do all that you can to make sure there's unity in this church. Because if Satan gets in here and he causes division and it doesn't matter what it's about, if he can divide, he will be very successful and your missions program and every other program will be flushed right down the toilet. Satan's clever. And then the Apostle Paul said in verse 2, fulfill you my joy. Paul is writing to this church. He says, you know, my joy, my joy, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet. And, and Paul is in prison while he writes this. He says, I'm nearly totally happy, but there's something spoiling my joy. And it's you. You're not united, he said. And that's why he goes on that you be like-minded. Having the same, same love. Being of one, one accord. Of one mind. You see, this is all unity, these words. Let nothing be done through strife or vain, vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Why do we have disunity in churches? Because one person is vying for position, vying for attention, wanting their way. And they become self-willed. And it's all about me. Let me give you a caution, if I may do that. You know, the devil is so clever to get our minds on self. And here's how he does it. How many of you are on Facebook? How many of you are on Instagram? Well, at least one guy's honest. He's, I am. <laughs> I am. Hi, little girl. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got, what's, I mean, there's so many other Snapshot, and there's TikTok, and blah, 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 blah. And what is Instagram? You know, these, these social media things. Well, here's, you know, here's a picture of me in this pose. Here's a picture of me in this pose. Here's a picture of me in this pose, you know. It's all about me, 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 me. And what's all the selfie stuff, you know? Oh, in South Africa, I'm telling you, the girls are just <laughs> obsessed with themselves. They're like this. That's terrible. Amen? You know, the focus, the focus is on self, on me. Bad. That really promotes unity, right? Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You see these words, like-minded, same, one, 
accord, one mind, lowliness of mind, esteem others, but every man also on the things of others. And then we have the greatest example. Let this mind be in you, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but what did he do? He made himself of no reputation. Eternal God, who entered time, came down to his footstool. Holy God, who rubbed shoulders with sinful men, made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and he was found in fashion. I'll tell you what's in fashion is unity. Jesus Christ was always unified with his Father. And the only time that he was not in, in fellowship with his Heavenly Father was when he became sin. But Jesus always did those things that were pleasing. They were in unity. Jesus Christ didn't say a word except the Father told him to say it. And then I see something else that's in fashion. You want to be in fashion? He humbled himself. Humility. That's what's in fashion with God, is humility. Take your Bible, please, and go to Mark chapter 9. What I'm speaking about is affects, it affects missions. You know, in a church, and members in particular, we've already seen where if it becomes divided, it's not going to fulfill the Great Commission. And then when you have a church who lifts itself up in pride, what does God do to the individual or to a church who's full of pride? What does God do with the proud? Doesn't he resist the proud? Listen, why is that, why is that urgent? We can't, we can't accomplish anything without the Lord. Without me, you can do nothing. We can't, we can't evangelize without the Lord's power and without the Lord's spirit and without the Lord's blessing. And if the Lord is having to resist his people, how are people going to be saved? There was one of the churches in Asia Minor who said, oh, we're this and this and this and this, and we don't have need of a thing. And the Lord said, what did he say? You're wretched, you're naked, you're blind. They, they thought they had it all. Oh, we're such a good church. But I want you to see pride. In people, you wouldn't expect it, actually. Verse 30 of chapter 9, And they departed thence and passed through Galilee, and he would not that any man should know it, for he taught his disciples. Jesus passing through Galilee, he didn't want anybody to know where he was going, that he was even on the move. Why? Because if people knew that, they were always thronging the Lord. 
And at this time, he's about ready to go to the cross. The shadow of the cross is looming over him. And he just, he just didn't want to deal with the crowds. He has but you know, some few days, perhaps weeks left remaining. And he just wanted to be with his disciples. And what was he teaching them? Verse 31, for the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. That's the gospel, is it not? That's the gospel. Teaching him the gospel. Look at verse 32. But they understood not that saying, and were afraid to ask him. They didn't understand. He's telling them the gospel about what he's about to do. And, 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 and they weren't comprehending it. They weren't making the connection. They did not understand. But the Bible says they were afraid to ask him. Now, why would they be afraid to ask Jesus? Well, we have to think, why, why would somebody ask a question in the first place? Why do we ask questions? We ask because why? We don't know. <laughs> and they were afraid to ask a question. They were afraid to ask a stupid question in, in their mind, perhaps. But the Bible says they didn't understand. And why would they be afraid to ask Jesus? Was Jesus unapproachable? Doesn't the Bible say in James, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. They could have asked the Lord, but they were afraid to. Why? What was keeping them from asking? Their pride. And so here we see that the disciples, these, these apostles, they were afraid to own their own ignorance. They, 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 didn't, they didn't want to own their ignorance. They didn't want to admit to themselves or to anybody else. They didn't want to make it obvious. I don't know. What's he talking about? Do you know what he's talking about? I don't know. I'll just... Because of pride. And then verse 33, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? Okay, here these apostles were walking by the way and they're having a disputation. What is that? That's an argument. That's a disagreement. That's a clash. That's locking horns together. Perhaps having a falling out. They're arguing, disagreeing. And, 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 and the disagreement is who's going to be the greatest? Now, in the context here, brethren, Jesus just is revealing to them. He's, he's telling them, I'm going to be killed. And they're arguing who's going to be the greatest. And what would they say? You know, I, I, I tried to read between the lines. Here are these, these uh, adult men, young men, but they're men. You know, the apostles. What were they thinking? What, what, was, what were they arguing about? What comments were being made? 
Maybe the Apostle John was saying, well, I think I'm going to be the greatest because I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I don't think John would say that, but who knows? He's a sinner too, saved by grace. Or maybe Peter said, ah, wait a minute, John. I'm the one who got out on the water from the boat. I walked on water. <laughs> I think I'm going to be the greatest, you know. What would they say? But they were disputing. Now why would they do that? Pride. Now this is the Lord's church. This is the foundation of the Lord's church. Now Christ is the chief cornerstone, but the apostles and prophets are in the foundation. Arguing. Oh, who's going to be the greatest? So Jesus... <laughs> Asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? Verse 34, but they held their peace. They didn't say a word. You know why? They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. Now the, the apostles of Christ, now they're not willing to own their own shame. Now they're not willing to answer. A few verses later, or uh, before, they were afraid to ask because of their pride. And now they're afraid to answer because of their pride. And what did Jesus do? Well, verse 34, but they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be greatest. And he, Jesus, he sat down. And he called the twelve. Come here, boys. Have a seat. I want to teach you something. Jesus knew there was pride in their hearts. And why was this so, so displeasing to God? Because he had just shared with them about the gospel. He was going to be sending them out into the world to preach the gospel to every creature. But it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to go right if they were filled with themselves and filled with pride. God couldn't use them. And God can't use a church either that's like that. And he sat them down and he did something that was very humbling, I believe, for these men. He said, if any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. Get off your high horse, men. And you know something? As a God-called, spirit-gifted, church-ordained evangelist, or maybe I could say apostle, I'm a sent one, amen. <laughs> That's what apostle means, sent one. But as a church missionary, I'm not, I'm not on a different level than anybody else. You know what Jesus said to his apostles? He says, actually, uh, he said it to the, uh, the Pharisees. He said, call no man rab rabbi, for one is your master in heaven, and the disciples were there, actually. And he says, you're all brethren. 
You're all brethren. And I believe it's true that for those of us or for anybody who desires to serve the Lord and to do God's work and God's business, the sooner that we learn that the ministry that's been committed to us, the ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, the sooner we learn that the ministry is not a ladder to climb, but it is a cross to bear, the sooner we'll be used and the more we'll be used. He took a child and said, Whosoever shall receive one such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth, uh, receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Here are these grown men, and Jesus wants to humble them, and he calls a child, and he lets the child be the teacher by using that child as an illustration. Uh, go to chapter 10. Flip over a page. I found this to be interesting. In chapter 10, verse 13, I'm almost finished here. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. Now, this is just the next page over. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But Jesus, when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. Much displeased and said, Allow, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And just to drive the point home with these with this, these children, he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. The blessing that day went to the children, not to the big shots, not to the apostles. Well, what is in fashion? Jesus tells us what's in fashion. What's cool, what's hip, what's in, what's in fashion? It's unity. It's humility. And the last thing, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And I'll just make a few comments. Obedience. That's in fashion. You know, children, young people, you want to be in fashion? Obey your parents. That's in fashion. Not in the world. No, no, no. You watch these primetime TV shows, you, even cartoons, even cartoons. Can you imagine cartoons? You've got children sassing their parents, rebuking their parents, making their parents look like they're stupid, and God just amen me. <laughs> I hope you heard that. The, 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 listen, the one thing, and it's just one, the one thing that you have to do that'll please the Lord, just the one thing is obey your parents. Then you'll be in fashion, young lady. It's not about the hair. It's not about the style of the hair. It's not about the makeup or the nails or the shoes, the clothes, the music. You obey your parents, you'll be in fashion with God.
Amen? Who cares about the world? Obedience. Jesus was so much concerned about obedience that he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And the reason he did that, brethren, it was for the joy that was set before him. Jesus looked beyond the suffering. And by the way, it wasn't the physical suffering that, you know, everybody focuses on. You know, that some years ago, the passion of Christ. No, it wasn't the physical suffering. There was two other people crucified with him. No, the suffering was being sin becoming sin and being forsaken of his father and forsaken of man. But he did it anyway. Why? For the joy that was set before him. And the joy of that was seeing you and me repenting of our sins and, and turning to the Lord and being saved and saving a sinner and giving him eternal life and forgiving them of their sins. That was the joy. He was willing to endure the cross and obey his Father to see us saved. Praise God. That was found in fashion. That's fashionable. Fashionable with God is obedience. And if we don't have these three things, unity, humility, and obedience, the Great Commission, it's not going to get done. Amen. There ends the reading. The Lord be with you. How many of you grew up in a church like that? <laughs> and, then the, and then the congregation sings. You're supposed to reply back. And also with you. I'm glad I got saved from that. Amen. <laughs>